Welcome to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen, where we help you navigate the challenges of feeding your family and learn about the role food plays in our health and relationships. Feeding and food relationships can be stressful, confusing, and even destructive. I'm Kristen Saxena, a pediatrician and mother of four, who's been researching and sharing what I've learned about feeding for over 10 years. In this podcast, I'll share my experience and expertise to help our kids and ourselves with everyday survival tips for real parents. This podcast is about progress, not perfection. So let's get started. Welcome back to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen. I'm your host, Kristen Saxena. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than our usual episodes because it's just me. No one is here to join me. Um, And today... We've been talking about, or we're going to be talking a lot about family meals. We've been talking about family meals in some past episodes, um, particularly last week with Ann Fischel. Um, But today I just wanted to take an opportunity to kind of give my own tidbits and keys for having successful family meals at home with your family. So the very first thing I really wanted to do was to kind of give you my definition or what I think are sort of the bare minimum things to make a family meal. So in order to have a family meal, you really need to have four things. So number one, you need to sit down together with your family. Number two, you need to share the same food. Number three, you need to be facing each other. And I added number four, which is free from distractions, even though it seems like that should kind of be implied. Um, In today's day and age where we've got iPads and iPhones and TVs all around us, um, I think it's important to notice that all of this really needs to be done without any outside distractions. So again, the, the elements are sitting together, facing each other, sharing the same food, free from distractions. And in last week's episode with Ann Fischel, we talked a lot about the benefits that come from family meals. And you may have tuned into this episode about family meals with the thought that you're really looking to see how can I get my family to eat better or healthier. And the crazy part about family meals, or maybe the wonderful thing about family meals is by just having family meals, um, you are more likely to feed your family better, healthier food. But to me, the really amazing thing about family meals is that the benefits go far beyond um, the food that actually goes in your mouth. So as we've discussed in previous episodes with Anne and with Miriam Weinstein, um, the outcomes for kids who have regular family meals, uh, they are much more likely to, um, as small kids, be reading ready. They're much better to do, or they're much more likely to do well in school, um, more likely to stay away from alcohol, drugs, tobacco. Um, there's less teen pregnancy seen in kids that have regular family meals. They just tend to have lower levels and, of stress and higher levels of resilience. And um, really, I think that a big part of that is just the piece where we have this tuned in daily check in with our kids. Um, But, you know, if you are tuning in because your first thought was, I would really like us to eat healthier. The research also suggests that kids who eat regular family meals eat more nutritious meals. They eat more fruits and vegetables and they tend to have lower rates of both obesity and eating disorders. So there's not a lot of things I can think of as a mom that I do that can have that far reaching of an impact. So to me, if it's if it's that simple, it's probably worth thinking about how I can do this and do it to the best of my ability. So that's where it kind of came. Um, I have 
because I'm corny, I have the four P's of successful family meals. I think it's like a throwback from medical school. I always need acronyms and things like that to help me remember how to do anything. So my four P's are to prioritize, to plan, to prep, and to play. So we'll go through all of those and I'll talk about what each of those means. Um, number one is prioritizing. So where that really comes in is that the truth is is that society is not going to prioritize family meals for you. So um, I think, I, I'm not sure what all the shifts have been, but I think, you know, Throughout our lifetime, and certainly now, you know, into our into our kids' lifetime, this isn't a day and age where nothing happens after five or six o'clock. Um, regularly, work meetings, sports practices, um, you know, music lessons—all of these things are generally crammed into a family's evening times, and that's pretty regular. Um, and so, the truth is, is that. The society's not going to prioritize it for you. So if you really want this to happen, it's going to be something that you're going to have to be um, purposely prioritizing. That said, um, you know, I'm not trying to say that nobody should do anything after school or in the evenings. You know, my I have four kids and they definitely all have activities that occur at one time or another throughout the week. Um and so it does become a process of actively prioritizing what you want to do with each evening. For us, I think, um, and I think for a lot of families, COVID was sort of a good reset on that in the sense that when all of those things went away, we suddenly realized that I think for a lot of us, number one, we had time to start instituting these family meals, more time to cook, more time to eat together, no choice really, except because there was nowhere else to go. Um, but for us, it was a good reset because I think now that things have started to come back, um, having had that perspective to realize that, you know, all the world didn't fall apart when we weren't super overscheduled in the evening, um, has allowed us to kind of have that perspective. So I would encourage you to kind of use this opportunity as we move back in, you know, select those things that you really did miss while they were gone and that you felt like were really important in your own and your kids' lives. Um, but realizing, thinking about all the benefits that can come from family meals, look back and say, you know, are these activities really, are we really enjoying them? Uh, are they really gaining, my kids really gaining anything that outweighs the benefit from having us all together in the evening for a family meal? I think the other thing that can be really helpful is to just look um, and th look at your week and look at your family's life and to say, you know, it's very possible that dinner time is not the time that works best for us. So there's lots of families that have varying work schedules or activities that are very important that can't be missed. And so looking at your week and saying, you know, we say family meals and think a lot about dinner time, but for a lot of families, breakfast works better. Um, maybe weekend brunches, maybe, uh, you know, early evening snack before someone has to head out for an evening shift at work. There is no wrong answer. It's just realizing what works best for your family. My other advice would be, and we've heard this from other guests who have come on and talked about family meals, is to definitely start small. So if it's something that you're really not doing now, um, just plan on trying to have one family meal, maybe a birthday or a special event. Um, if it's something that you don't do regularly, you could try to just do once a week. I know a lot of families, um, even with older children who uh, maybe have even moved out of the house but still live locally, I know a lot of families that host 
um, regular Sunday night meals. And so it's amazing to me how you can still make that experience and the benefits of these family meals even trail off into adulthood if you have kids who live locally. So it's a little bit about being creative, but those things aren't going to happen on their own. So you really have to make it a priority. And once you're in the habit of regular family meals, I think that you'll find that it's actually easier to make some of the other changes that you'd like to make in terms of the way that your family eats. Because once you have a structure and kind of a plan for your week, it actually becomes easier to make the little tweaks where you're perhaps choosing healthier dishes or trying to integrate new foods. Once there's a structure for it, it becomes a lot less cumbersome of an event to do. Um, I think the other thing to remember as you're prioritizing family meals, and we've talked a lot about the benefits, is to always remember that the benefits really come in making sure that those experiences are pleasant. So all of the benefits that I talked about for kids, um, that really doesn't happen if those mealtimes are stressful or times of conflict. Um, now that doesn't mean, you know, in the entire upbringing of your children that there's not going to be stress or frustrations or anger at the dinner table. I think that's unrealistic. But when you come with the sole purpose um, of really making it a communal and a pleasant experience, rather than sort of with this objective of sort of getting a certain amount of food into people's mouths, um, that's when you really start to see the benefits. And that is where a certain, um, there's a certain thing that I think we've spoke about before that's called the division of responsibility and it's sort of the brainchild of Ellen Satter. And that really talks about the different jobs between the parents and the kids. So for the parents, uh, really your job as the parent is just to decide where we're going to eat, when we're going to eat, and what food is gonna be provided. And the child's job is to decide what is going to be eaten of what you've provided, if anything at all. And so at first, I think for a lot of parents, that seems a little bit anxiety provoking because we're all worried about what what is going to, you know, is my child going to eat? Are they eating enough? Are they growing well? But the truth is, is when you start to approach that, that's when you're really going to be able to prioritize the peaceful family meals and essentially be able to get all the benefits that come from those peaceful family meals. So that brings me to P number two. P number two is to plan. And so I talked about this a little bit before, but really this comes down to, now you've prioritized it, you realize it's something big that you wanna do, but it's not gonna happen if you have no plan. Um, you know, what is it? like? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And that really does does come true. So it doesn't need to be, you know, I think as adults, as parents, you make so many decisions and you have to plan so many things throughout the day. It can seem exhausting to have to plan one more thing. And I think that that's a reason that a lot of families aren't able to be successful with family meals. But I think if you can get into the practice of just having some loose planning on a pretty weekly basis, you can really get a very large return on that investment of time and see that planning family meals is not too difficult. So the first thing is to just, if you're just really getting into this, is just think about your regular weekly schedule. And that is where you might find like, like maybe dinner isn't the time for you, or maybe Wednesdays are just so crazy, there's just no way that everybody's gonna be able to eat together, and that's fine. I think it's just looking at what works, um, maybe knowing you know, Tuesdays we eat a super early dinner, and Thursdays we're gonna have to eat late, and that's okay, because once you get into it and you're planning for it, 
you can just kind of roll with the punches. Um, the other thing that I do is that I just look at my calendar every day. So you have kind of a regular routine, but we all know things change from day to day. So if you look just first thing in the morning, like what's my calendar for the day? Um, what's the kid's schedule for the day? Then you can kind of, as you look at that, say, well, dinner time's going to have to be around this time of the day, and I will or will not have much time to get it prepared. And that can give you a good idea of like, what kind of thing are we going to be eating tonight? Um, the, the other thing too is to be realistic. So I definitely, my younger self was definitely guilty of, uh, waking up and thinking I'm going to be a much more productive person tomorrow <laughs> um, than I am today. So my entire like success was built on believing that tomorrow I'll be very efficient and effective, much more so than today. So I would say be realistic and if anything, be easy on yourself. So if you know you're going to only have a short time to like warm things up and get them on the table, don't pretend like you're going to be creating some fancy four course meal for, for dinner. Um, in fact, I would just like have lower expectations. And if you can, if you can make it better, fabulous. Other thing I like to tell people is plan for help. So there's all kinds of ways that you can get help. You don't have to do this by yourself. Certainly, you know, if you have a spouse or a partner, bring them into the planning and and the carrying out of this. But also. Um, it's an excellent idea to get your kids involved in planning and preparing meals. So not only is that time with your kids that actually extends all that benefit of communicating at family meals, but you're also teaching them valuable skills in the kitchen. Um, and if kids have been involved in preparing food, they're often also more likely to eat and try new foods. So really there's not a lot of drawbacks. Plus, um, you know, it's helpful to you. On top of that, I always say get creative. You know, there's all kinds of, um, you know, sort of those meal delivery services where you can get ingredients for things that can help to um, let you try new things and, and things are usually kind of semi-prepped. That can be helpful. A lot of grocery stores actually offer things like that as well. And, um, or, you know, do you have a friend that, that would be interested in doing something like this with it? I have friends who will, you know, make a double batch of something one day and trade. Anything like that. Um, just don't be afraid to look for help and look in your community to see what can make your life easier because it really in the long run is going to help you be successful. Another thing is uh, that I think has been really useful in terms of the planning is because as adults, again, we all sort of get this decision fatigue. So to have sort of a loose weekly schedule of meals that you do. So it can be kind of fun and you can vary it within that. But like, for example, we've talked on the show about meatless Mondays, or I know somebody that does motherland Mondays where they eat food um, that's sort of from their ethnic background every Monday. Uh, Taco Tuesdays is a very, very familiar one too. And I know in our family we'll do Taco Tuesdays, but usually that just means, you know, some sort of Mexican food. So we might do enchiladas or quesadillas, but nonetheless, it just sort of reduces that, um, decision fatigue when you know like okay it's Tuesday this I don't have to think too hard we'll do one of these three or four things um, and so people will do you know a crock pot night or Italian night um, some nights that I, I know families that you know every Friday night they get pizza whatever it is I think just settling yourself into a routine doesn't need to be rigid um, but it just allows you to not have to think too hard about it 
The other thing is, is, you know, when I was um, practicing pediatrics, we would often have these handouts that we give to families and they would contain information about how many servings of of, you know, this food group and that food group that your child should be eating. And while that's all correct, and I think it's also good information to know, I don't think it's very useful as a parent. And I think a little bit it can be anxiety provoking if you think, well, I'm not sure if my child, you know, is eating enough vegetables or drinking enough milk or what have you. Um, And so I actually think another thing in terms of planning or just sort of loose framework for thinking was an idea that Amber Stott, who was on one of our previous episodes um, from the Food Literacy Center, was talking about the idea of just including a fruit or vegetable with every meal or snack. If you do that and you have a child that has three three meals and two snacks a day, you've already offered them five fruits or vegetables every day without having to plan or portion or think too hard about it. So I think things like that Um, simple rules of thumb can really be helpful in helping you just plan ahead without having to like take a lot of time to draw things out. And then beyond that, I would just say, you know, meals should be tasty and satisfying. And when you're looking to plan meals, make sure that it includes, a meal should probably include food from each food group and should also contain at least one thing that you know each member of your family will eat. So particularly for those families that are dealing with picky eaters, um, you can kind of reduce the stress level for everyone if there's at least one thing that you know your child will eat on that menu. Um, and then again, you know, depending on the ages of your child and, and sort of the extent of picky eating, I think it's really useful to always keep in mind that you know it is it is okay to separate foods out so it's okay to leave sauces on the side or to have things that are sort of a a make your own taco night or make your own pizza night and that sort of allows all of us to eat the same foods but sort of customize it to our particular tastes and sort of comfort levels with different foods so I would highly suggest doing things like that Number three is to prep. So you can have all the plans in the world, but if you come home and none of those groceries are in your house after work, um, the meal is not going to happen. So you do have to do a little bit of prep work. Um, But again, I try to keep this as easy as possible and to a minimum. So the biggest thing is just to make sure that you have the food that you want to prepare for the week in your house when you need it. And so I think it makes a lot of sense to do every week a little inventory of what you've got in the house and what you plan to make for the week and to make sure that you have those groceries in your fridge or your pantry. Uh, I find that uh, online ordering is, is a godsend and has really been a huge time saver in terms of not, I, I've always actually been one of those people that enjoy wandering around the grocery store. But I will say that, um, you know, as you get busy with work and with your kids, it isn't always uh, the the best option for your schedule. So definitely if it's available to you, I highly encourage you to utilize online grocery shopping and either pick up or delivery if you can. And that helps a lot. It also really does help to reduce costs. I find I, I have a lot less impulse purchases at the grocery store if I stick with the online shopping. And then the next thing is, is to do yourself a favor and to try to prep as much as you can ahead of time. So again, especially as we talk about dinners, because I think that that's what most people, when most families are able to get together, 
to think about, you know, how can I make it easier for myself if I'm coming in the door with everybody? Everybody's hungry and we need to get something on the table. I know a lot of people um, that will do like a day of the weekend. So I know a lot of families, they'll do kind of a Sunday prep and they'll start to get stuff ready for the week. I know some people that will grill a whole bunch of meat on the weekend to use throughout the week. Um, My sister-in-law will get her four boys in the kitchen and they'll prep some food for the week. Um, And that's, you know, that might not work every week and it might not be realistic for every family. But if you can carve out some time, especially at the beginning of the week, to even get some stuff cut up or, you know, wash and chop your fruits and vegetables, it will pay dividends throughout the week. And I think, again, is time that is really well spent. The the last thing would be from a prep standpoint is I think it's a good idea, again, in the morning to do a sort of inventory of what am I going to do today. That's where sort of those like crock pot meals and things, if I can just have something I can dump in the crock pot in the morning, come home and dinner's pretty much ready. So again, sort of that little bit of time it took you to throw something together, maybe five, 10 minutes in the morning to come home to dinner that's pretty much finished, well worth it. You just have to have that mindset of being a little bit ahead of the game. The final thing I would say in terms of being prepared is one thing that has saved us tons of times from having to go out and get takeout is to have a few things that you keep in your house that are sort of like a backup emergency dinner that are quick and easy. Um, For us, I know I always have a giant like Costco-sized bag of frozen meatballs, jars of spaghetti sauce, and dried pasta. And that, you know, spaghetti and meatballs will please almost anyone, um, is quick, it's very easy to make, and it saves you from having to you know, go drive through somewhere. So I would say that. The other one that we always do is Brinner, um, like a breakfast for dinner. So we always have breakfast stuff in our house, and that's kind of fun for everybody too, um, and not too difficult to make. So whatever works for you, but I think to just always know that you have some sort of backup, you then never will have to have the feeling like, oh, there's nothing here to eat, because you know there's always a few favorites that you can throw out in the end. Okay, and that brings me to number four. So number four is play. Um, That might sound silly, especially if you have older kids, but to me this is that reminder yet again that the real purpose of the family meal is to have a good time, have fun, and enjoy each other. So you can take play to mean... um, you know, to be as as boisterous and playful as you would like. But I think, again, it's just that reminder to come and say, you know, yes, we're all here sharing food and we're going to eat, but the main purpose of this is for us to all get together. And um, I love to hear from families in terms of the way that they sort of bring play and communication into their meals. And again, I know we talked about this a little bit with Anne. Um, you know, our, our family will often do these highs, lows, and unexpected where we talk about our day. Um, we've had the families that did the happy and the crappy, what was the good thing and the bad thing today. Um, families that have like a little jar of a question that they ask each time at mealtime. Um, and just the other day, I, I was having dinner with a a gentleman whose daughters are older. Um, I think two of them are out of the house and he's got one in high school. And although this isn't really play, I thought this was really brilliant. Um, He said that, you know, even when they were younger, they sort of said that the dinner table is essentially like the cone of silence or maybe like Vegas. They say, you know, what stays here with the five of us or what we say here with the five of us stays here. And he said, and I found that that really, when we 
drove that home and they knew that this was sort of the safe space and nothing was going to leave this dinner table, um, it really kind of got the conversation spurred and sort of taken to the next level. So I think things like that can be really useful. On the flip side, using uh, resources like the Family Dinner Project where they have actual games that you can play at the table. And you know we've done that from time to time and it's great to switch it up. It keeps mealtime super fun and exciting and um, really you know makes it an enjoyable experience where everyone wants to keep coming back and motivates you to keep doing the family meals. And again, just heightens all the benefits that come from the practice of having regular family meals. So I hope that those were helpful, the four Ps of successful family meals. I would love it if it will help you to have more family meals and also to make the most of the family meals that you're having. I'm really excited because we're going to be having some members of the mom squad come in and talk to us about how they deal with family meals, their successes and challenges. And I would absolutely love to hear from you. So tell me what you would like to know, what you'd like to work on, what works at your house, and um, who you would like to see on our episodes. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Feeding the Family. I hope that you hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next week on Monday with the Mom Squad.